Hey, good morning, Arbor. It's so good to be here with you this morning. My name's Allison Iconi. I'm the community care pastor here at Arbor, and I'm usually working behind the scenes. But today, they're letting me come in and close out this summer's series that we've been doing on worship. This whole summer, we've been able to focus on worship, like the meaning of it, ascribing worth to God, worthship. We've talked about what it is to worship in spirit and truth and how to live out a lifestyle of worship. More than anything else, though, we've learned how to lift our eyes above our circumstances and focus on him. One thing you may not know about me and my circumstances is that in the last four years, four of our parents have died. Father-in-law, mom, dad, and last month, mother-in-law. It makes heaven, the subject of heaven, near and dear to my heart. Here at Arbor, we've also said goodbye to some, some really special people, Magnolia, Rob, and even Aaron this summer. These have reminded me that life is short and eternity is just around the corner. I also lead Grief Share, which is a support group for people who have walked loved ones to heaven's doorstep. This is a continual reminder for me that this earthly life doesn't last forever. And when we feel our mortality, we wonder what it would be like to leave the life that we know. And we wonder about the life ahead, right? Because heaven has been on my mind so much, and because of the fact that I love to research, and it's part of my job, (laughs) I jumped on Google Trend Analytics, and I wondered, is everybody else thinking about heaven the way that I am? This year, in 2020, the answer is yes. America has heaven on its mind. According to Google Trend Analytics, searches on heaven have taken a sharp uptick since February. Most people are asking, what do you do in heaven? And can I get to heaven with tattoos? I love that. I saw big spikes on May 10th and June 21st. Lots of people searching on heaven. And I wondered about that. I drilled down a little closer and found that it's, it's Mother's Day. It's Father's Day. People are wondering, like, what are mom and dad up to? I'll jump on Google and find out. The question, is heaven real, spiked on April 21st, which made a lot of sense to me because it was Easter weekend. But you know what's really interesting is that it spiked almost as high on July 11th. So I went and I looked. I did a search on the headlines that day. What was going on on July 11th? Why is everyone interested in heaven? Well, it was just an ordinary day. An ordinary day in a pandemic, I should say. (laughs) Riots and rallies and murder hornets. Somehow something was going on, though, and people are starting to look upward. And most interestingly enough, the question, is heaven real? Do you know when that spiked? It spiked on August 16th. That was just like a couple weeks ago, right? People are wondering worldwide, what is ahead of us? Because... We're feeling more in touch with our mortality, I think. I think people are interested. What is heaven like? Here's the thing. When we learn more about heaven, we do learn more about worship. 
And why is that? It's because worship is a very big deal in heaven. It is a very big deal in heaven. This morning, we're going to take a look at a couple passages in the book of Revelation. This will show us what heaven looks like, and we'll learn more about worship as a result. If you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, it was written by an author who's John the Disciple. He's actually the last living disciple. Everybody else had been martyred uh, for their faith, and John's the only one who was able to reach old age. The Spirit comes and takes John up to heaven, and he's given a preview of what, what it looks like there. How does the end of the story play out? And then he writes it all down. God is using this book to give us hope that earthly, our, our earthly life isn't all that there is. We have so much hope, so much to look forward to. And here are the things that John learns about heaven. In heaven, he finds out that worship is prominent. Worship in heaven is prominent. It is a big deal. There are angels, there are creatures, everybody surrounding the throne of God who is majestic and holy and loving. All the angels are there and they're physically, physically worshiping God. They're bowing down, casting crowns before him physically and then also with their voice. They are singing to him. Holy, 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 you are worthy, is what they're singing. Why is this so prominent? And, and why are these angels and creatures repeating these words? It's endless because God is infinite, and they have never come to the end of, of worshiping him. He is so infinite in his love, goodness, safety, and joy, it takes all of eternity just to, just to give him the honor that he is due. This is what John writes down in Revelation 20. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be there as their, as their God. This is referring, this reminds me back to Eden when God created the garden for a place for them to live together. The hanging out, being best friends, being part of a family together until sin separated them and they weren't able to be together again until this point here in heaven. So it's what we were always meant to do and be. And here it, says, it continues, he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning or crying, no more pain for the former things have passed away. And he who is on the throne, that is God, says, behold, I am making all things new. This is why there's endless praise. You just cannot get over the goodness of this promise. So in chapter 19, John is taken over to a worship service. All of creation is there celebrating. And that's going to be like you and me one day, right? 
they are celebrating. What are they celebrating in heaven? Well, first, we will be celebrating salvation. We will celebrate salvation. Verse 1 says, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. It's the first thing out of their mouth is hallelujah. Did you know that hallelujah literally means praise God, right? And here's a fun fact for you. Hallelujah is the same in every language, pronounced the same. It means the same thing, which I think is so beautiful, right? That we on, on planet Earth were are able to express praise for God universally that we would understand one another as we're thanking him and and praising him for who he is. Salvation is another word that means saved, okay? So what they're thanking him for is for saving them. God's rescue plan includes saving, saving us. And what it is, is him reaching down and pulling you out of your predicament, right? Your mess, your struggle, your sin. He's reaching down. And when he takes you to himself, it is, it's for today and it is for eternity, right? So they are saying, like, praise God. When you're rescued from a mess like that, the only natural thing that is expressed at that point is, is gratitude and saying thank you. Praise God. If God did not do one more thing, one more nice thing for you <laughs> after this point of salvation, even that alone, salvation enough, would be enough to praise him for eternity. If he didn't answer one more prayer, and you didn't receive one more blessing, the blessing of salvation would give you cause for an eternity of praise. This reminds me a little bit of Jesus during his earthly ministry. He forgave a woman um, who, was, who was in sin, and her overwhelming response to him was to weep, and her tears washed his feet. She dried his feet with her hair. She was just bowed low and just so grateful for all that he had done. And the disciples were kind of standing around going, this is totally awkward. <laughs> this is super awkward right now. And Jesus turned to them and he was saying, those who are forgiven much actually love much. Those who are forgiven much love much. She had been forgiven of so much and this was her outward praise to him. Just like that, I think about gratitude. I think about gratitude. Those who are grateful much, worship much. Those who are grateful much, worship much. What will we be celebrating in heaven? We will be celebrating salvation. And also, we will celebrate justice. We will celebrate justice. Sometimes when we look around this world and we see the condition of it, you know, all of its pain, 
we feel a little hopeless. <laughs> we feel like we're small against it. It's too big to, to make everything right. There's so much wrong in this world, and it's so hard for us to make, make a dent, <laughs> right? And to shift the direction. But when we see injustice happen, and it seems like injustice has won, there seems like there's no penalty for doing wrong. Actually, God has handled that. God is able to balance both justice and grace as a holy God. And how is that? Well, all the injustices and pains of this world, everything that is wrong, has been laid on his son, Jesus, on the cross. Christ paid the penalty for all the injustice and pain. That is justice. Jesus took care of it. Look, look at verse 3. They're worshiping. And they say, his judgments are true and just. He has avenged the blood of his servants. By this point in the worship service, the crowd is so stoked that they have been saved. They have been celebrating grace and goodness. And they are also celebrating because God is full of justice. Only a holy, wise God could hold the perfect balance of justice and mercy. So hallelujah, right? It's not up to us. God is able, he is righteous and able to be able to avenge the blood of his servants and give them justice. Hallelujah, right? So celebration in heaven is continuing. They're celebrating salvation, celebrating justice. We're also going to celebrate God's reign. We will celebrate God's reign, his power. So this is where the text continues in verse 5. From the throne there came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you who serve him and honor him, small and great. I love this part, actually. <laughs> I find it so endearing to hear this voice from the throne encouraging us to praise God, because scholars say that this was probably the voice of Jesus himself, right? So he's basically being a worship leader here and saying, come on, small and great, let's worship. Small, I, like I can picture the babies and the children in the crowd, right? From the smallest to the greatest. I can also picture there being like leaders and champions worshiping alongside. And Jesus himself is the worship leader here. Come on, everybody, let's worship. And how do they respond? Verse 6. Then I heard again what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. The entirety of heaven is shouting back in an anthem that sounds like, this is what other translations say, it sounds like the boom of pounding waves, a roaring waterfall, a roaring flood, crashing waves or rolling heavy thunder. Hallelujah, 
The Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Any of you 12 fans here remember something called the Beast Quake? <laughs> I know. This is happening back in 2010. Marshawn Lynch makes this amazing play, like this touchdown play, right? And the roar and intensity of the crowd actually registered on a seismograph. They call it the beast quake because it like literally shook the earth. This is how epic, I mean even more so, right? Up in heaven, but that's kind of a, a feel of it, right? It, when you think about it, you think this is the culmination of all the gratitude that has ever been known on earth is happening here, right? Scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift is from God. So like every good thing that you have ever received in your life, that actually was from God, right? So this is your chance to be saying thank you back to him. And you're going to be doing it in a way that is, is completely new for you. You're going to be having this freedom to express your gratitude without a shred of cynicism, no skepticism, no sin, no like even weird, like, oh, kind of peer pressure, like I kind of feel weird with somebody watching me worship. All of that is gone. You have complete freedom at this point, which this is so awesome. But here, it's more than just you. I want you to know this. The reason this is sounding th so thunderous and like crashing waves is because it's not just you. You have the entire history of mankind joining you together in this cheer. That's why it sounds like thunder, okay? That's why it sounds like waves. Because imagine every time that you have felt gratitude, okay? This is that cheer. Every crisis that has passed you by and you were like, oh my gosh, thank God, <laughs> you know? This is that cheer. Every infertile couple that has become a parent, their gratitude is in this cheer. Every clear biopsy, every clear scan, every negative nose swab that you have taken, the gratitude of the healing is in this cheer. Every math test I passed in high school, man, that is in this cheer. Every yes to a proposal, that is in this cheer. How about the sunrise that takes your breath away? Or your relief at the first hot cup of coffee in the morning? Yeah? Every victory, every mercy, every grace you've been given is in this cheer. The whole creation is worshiping, and it sounds like, <sighs> right? Thunderous. I want you to do this when you go home today. Pop on YouTube, stream, what does it sound like? Like crashing waves. Close your eyes, I want you to imagine millions and millions of people full of gratitude cheering in heaven for all these things and more. I mean, imagine everyone's been rescued now from sorrow, from shame, They've been forgiven for their worst mistake, and it has been erased and, for, and, and forgotten. Hallelujah. Can you imagine how stoked everybody's going to be 
COVID is no more. There are no more masks. There are no more politics. Not even Facebook, right? <laughs> I can picture the cheer. There is no cancer. There is no mental unhealth, no anxiety, no DIPG, no racism, no death, no sin. I mean, hallelujah, right? Praise God. Praise God. We're thanking him. We're celebrating salvation and justice in his power and reign. The next section, the angel's taking John. He's going to a wedding, man, because this is the perfect time for that, right? In heaven, we will celebrate a wedding. We will celebrate a wedding. All the joy and celebration of this worship service is going to culminate in a wedding. And who among us does, does not love a wedding? other than my husband. <laughs> but it's Jesus and his beloved church being reunited, reunited. After all this time, they have not been together since he left earth, right? It's a, it's a reunion. And I just love that God displayed this celebration and reunion and called it a wedding. The church is the beloved bride of Jesus. And I think of all the words or images maybe that he could have picked to describe how he felt about us, us, the church, I love that he picked the word bride, right? Cherished, adored, and beautiful in his eyes, and bonded with him forever. How great is that, right? When I was a young girl, it was an easy segue for me to imagine a wedding feast in heaven. Like, I mean, I was all about it, right? And so, what does the bride wear? You know, everybody always asks, what was she wearing? Well, John does, you know, he's a guy and he's writing, but what she's wearing is so beautiful that even he is writing that down and describing that. It's, it's making such an impact. She's wearing fine linen. It's beautiful. It's white and pure and shining. He says that the gown is beautiful, but it's not because it had jewelry or diamonds sewn into it. It wasn't beautiful because there was some designer label. It was beautiful because of the, of the good, righteous deeds of the saints. Did you hear that? What makes the church beautiful in eternity are the good, righteous deeds of the saints. Can you imagine that being even better than gemstones? Yep, it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff the saints are doing. But it's not just somebody like Mother Teresa with her hand on the poor and the dying that makes the church beautiful. It's not just Mother Teresa. It's you. It is you. It is you donating to the food bank. Seriously, it's you helping your neighbor in need. It is you sharing your resources. It's your hand, your gentle hand on the suffering 
that makes this church beautiful. Hallelujah. Did you know that you are invited to this wedding? I love how the angel leans over to John at this point, And he says to him, hey, write this, write this down. Blessed. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. As a mother of the bride, a former mother of the bride, I know a couple things about wedding invitations. <laughs> Number one. Nobody knows the power of an RSVP until they host a wedding, right? Once you've done that, man, you are good about RSVPing. But I know a second thing, that not everybody who's invited to a wedding actually comes. Not everybody wants to come. In fact, wedding planners have kind of a, a formula that they figure out, and it seems like 55% of all people who are invited to a wedding actually come. And I think it's this way with the heavenly celebration too. Everybody is invited, right? Everyone, it's the most extensive guest list ever. But just like here on planet Earth, not everybody wants to spend time with Jesus, right? I think maybe even 55% seems like a generous guesstimate. I, you know, 55%. So, so how does this impact us? How does that impact you, knowing all this? I would say if you're here today and you're not sure you've RSVP'd, maybe it's because you didn't even know you were invited to this wedding, right? Maybe you didn't even know. The same author in Revel that wrote Revelation, his name, you know, John, he also wrote another book, and in that book, he talks about how much God loved us, you, that he sent his son to save you and to rescue you and pull you out, right? When, you, when he reached down in, in order to save you, your RSVP is yes when you take his hand and he pulls you up. You allow him to rescue you. Your RSVP is yes when you take his hand. Maybe you're someone here who isn't sure you want to be rescued. You haven't really figured all this out yet. You don't know if you really want to spend eternity with him. Here's what I would actually say to that. This is a good time to investigate your options. Okay, <laughs> you're in a freaking pandemic with murder hornets, right? And not to be weird, but 2020 has shown us our mortality. It feels really real. I feel like this is a good time to figure that out. And if you would rather not like turn to Google for the answers on that one, and if like you'd rather dialogue with a pastor, I want you to click the box below. We, wanted, we want to dialogue with you. Let us know that that's on your heart. We'll reach out and have a conversation. Blessed are those who are invited, but blessed are those who actually come. And maybe you're here and you have RSVP'd. You've taken the hand of Christ already. <sighs> Crowd cheering noise. Hallelujah. But I have a quick question for you. 
do you actually live your whole lives praising him out loud? Are you praising him at a volume and intensity of roaring waters? Or are you more like a, maybe a silent, foggy mist? You know, in the morning, you kind of see the mist, but it's easy to miss. It's a little invisible. Are you that? Don't forget you have so much to be grateful for, right? Salvation, justice, power. Remember the voice from the throne saying, come on, let's praise him, let's go. I would say, ask him to help you amplify your voice. Amplify your voice. And elevate your grateful voice. Ask him to help you elevate your grateful voice. If you're going to be loud about anything, be a roar of praise. You have so much to be grateful for. You may have heard that practice makes perfect, right? Actually, psychologists say that practice makes permanent. The things that you practice, it's like a muscle memory. It becomes part of who you are, and it becomes stronger and more powerful when you practice that. So, like, why, why just slip into heaven's back row, you know, kind of not knowing what you're doing? Why not come on in strong? Practice here on earth the things that you will be doing in heaven. When my kids were little, I used to tell them that the, thing, the beautiful things that they would see, like if we were on a hike or driving through the mountains, those beautiful images become a slideshow in your mind that when you're worshiping the creator, you can close your eyes and you can like run the slideshow through your mind. Things that you're grateful for also become part of that slideshow. And when you are worshiping God and thanking him for everything, you also can be running that slideshow through your mind. Hallelujah. This is a time to say, praise God. Eternity starts today. We practice today what will be permanent tomorrow. So earlier, I talked to you about heaven being on my mind and how Google has helped me know that it's also on America's mind or on the world's mind. I wanted to tell you that earlier in April, too, um, I was sick. I, it was just a low-grade thing, but I think there's a difference being sick in a pandemic than when you're sick ordinarily. You think, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, <laughs> the big C word, COVID, right, comes to mind. Mortality feels more real. I felt more vulnerable than I ever had before. On the outside, I was, you know, taking my temperature, kind of chugging the vitamin C. But on the inside, I was getting my affairs in order, as they call it, <laughs> right? When you have a fever in a pandemic, I mean, God willing, it's only a, a common cold, right? But what if it wasn't? So I was like, I was having, getting my affairs in order. I was thinking of goodbyes, people here on earth that I love, <laughs> right? I was thinking of saying goodbye to that life here below. And I was thinking about what's ahead. 
what is on the other side. When we feel our mortality, we wonder what it's like to leave the life we know. We wonder about that life ahead. So today, today we know more. We know more. We know it's awesome, right? It's a celebration beyond imagination, truly. And it's a reunion with Jesus. It's where we've always been made to be. We will be reunited, and I cannot wait to see you there. Hallelujah. Let's enter this time of worship even now.